So here's a topic that comes up, well, literally any time a group of Latinos get together. I'm talking about the ever-present questions about how we communicate. How should we talk to each other to both be ourselves while preserving our roots? In English, in Spanglish, in Spanish, all or none of these. What do you think, Maribel? It's such a difficult and complex issue for me sometimes to discuss. It should be very simple, right? Because honestly, sometimes I really think it doesn't matter. But with the way that I was raised, I'm from Mexico originally. And as an immigrant, I was raised to be very, very proud of who I was. And that included speaking Spanish. So in my house, we spoke Spanish. And as I grew older, I always felt this pride associated with the fact that I could speak fluently and I could write it. And I did at times feel that it was very improper to speak Spanglish. But I've gone through a little bit of a transformation. And I think that I've learned to embrace different things when it comes to Spanglish. I still struggle, though, I have to say sometimes, with the fact that I was taught it was improper. And I think that's still kind of like a little chip on my shoulder that's like, oh, no, it's not okay to speak Spanglish or it's not okay not to speak it properly. I feel that so much. I also grew up, as I've shared here on the podcast before, with very strict parents who made me speak Spanish very, quote unquote, correctly. And so I have that background, but I also love reggaeton, Maribel. And we know that not only is that <laughs> in Spanglish, but there are words that are completely unique to that genre. And, and to so many different countries in Latin America, there's all this slang and there are blurred lines now, right? Between what is Spanish? What is English? How do we speak? And so there's really no right way to communicate. It's as long as we're feeling it and, and feeling in confianza and, and doing it our way, right? Yeah, I mean, I think that being authentic to who you are is the most important thing. But I do think there's still a part of me that very much appreciates the special feeling that comes from understanding the language in its true form. And you're not the only one who feels that way, Manivel. This is a topic like we started off this conversation saying that always comes up like Latinidad is often so tied to the language and Spanish is such an important part of um, our family traditions and of us identifying as Latinos and that's exactly what we're gonna talk about on this episode the main question is are you Latino if you don't speak Spanish and to dive deeper we have several conversations to share with you all First up, you're going to hear our producer, Ray, who sits down to chat with our news editor, Frank, on their shared feelings around Latinidad and their own upbringing and complicated relationship with not speaking Spanish. So I'm wondering if you could tell us just a little bit about how Spanish was passed down in your family or not passed down, as it were. I knew I knew words that my mom would use, right? You know, and mm -hmm. not necessarily the bad ones, but I would know, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, put this in the cajon, right? Or, you know, or, yeah, or, yeah. or, or uh, mijo, et, et cetera. So she, she would use certain words and phrases where I knew what she was saying, but it was not bilingual by any means. Right. Okay. So you were never taught yeah. Spanish. Exactly. I was never taught yeah. Spanish. My siblings were not taught Spanish. And my cousins who are fully Mexican-American, they don't speak Spanish either. Okay. My mom is, depending on how you might define it, either first generation or multiple generations, but she grew yeah. up only speaking Spanish. But she ended up attending an English-speaking school. And um, she did talk about how at the school, 
students would be disciplined if they spoke Spanish in the class. There was a big push for assimilation and you're in America and this is Mexican-American. Now you're Mexican-American and speak English. So I, I did not grow up speaking Spanish. So <laughs> one thing I want to ask you, do you have uh, what I call taco Spanish? Like, can you order? Can I order? <laughs> can I order food in in in, uh, in Spanish? So I can, and I if I'm going to like a Mexican restaurant or one of these places where you're, uh, I don't want to sound gringo, right? You know, uh, necessarily, <laughs> right? You know, so right. there's like, oh, you know, I need to show them that I that I you know I can speak this. But you did take Spanish in high school. How many years did you take? Yeah. So I did four years in high school. My mom would speak Spanish on the phone when she didn't want the kids knowing what she's saying. The big question we're investigating in this episode is, can you be Latino if you don't speak Spanish? And I'm curious what you would have to say about that. Yes. I think that Latinos are... We are so diverse. There's already so much difference there. And also the way Spanish is spoken. Right, right. So, so, you know, if we've been here for generations, I think the chances of us speaking Spanish are, are slimmer too, right? If, if it, we don't speak Spanish, are we not Latino? Um, no, I think that we are. I think it, it just goes back to, um, to our roots. And, and I think culturally identifying with and connecting with those roots. Yeah. Do you think in terms of like the work we do at Pulso, has your lack of Spanish come up in terms of like reception from our audience or I'm thinking of like things like comments. I mean, every time I pronounce a Spanish word in a video, you know, (laughs) I get comments from people about my terrible accent no i probably don't speak spanish and you know i'm just wondering if that's come up for you and like how does that feel like how do you take that in i will say that when there's been videos of me on instagram reels almost always there is a comment about so i'll say who's this white dude or something along this line um you know it used to bother me when i would hear stuff like that because to me people are denying me my heritage which i connect with so like who are you to say what i am right so that would make me angry that would make me feel like less than that would make me feel like i need to go out and prove more now i think of i actually now kind of laugh i do laugh when i see those comments or i'm like okay yep i knew this was coming um right how do you respond to people that criticize you for not being able to speak the language so people have said, what, you don't speak Spanish? You're Latino. Why didn't your mom teach you how to speak Spanish? <laughs> Shame on your mom. And that's so so offensive because it comes from all sorts of different people, but also like you don't know my family background. And I get younger Latinos now are speaking Spanish at home because the assimilation thing is not a thing anymore. Now it's like, let's be our culture yeah yeah it's much more like bilingual cultural pride absolutely yes it is embraced now um jobs look for it um and it is just people yeah it is a cultural pride thing now whereas before it was like bury that because we need to assimilate so so there's a difference in terms of the time there's a difference in terms of family experience what what do you say what's your um 
Yeah, I mean, I you know, I depending on how you count, I'm second or third generation. But um, my parents didn't speak Spanish, you know, like functionally. My grandparents on both sides spoke Spanish, but only sparingly used it at home. I'm two generations removed from it now. And do I wish I could speak Spanish fluently? Yes, absolutely, of course. Have I tried? Yes, sort of. But it, it's hard to do as an adult. I mean, I always say, like, if I could go back in a time machine, the one thing I would tell myself as a 15-year-old in high school is, like, pay attention in Spanish and nothing beyond algebra one is going to matter. <laughs> you know, like, focus on that. You know, when uh, Julian Castro, former HUD secretary, former mm-hmm. mayor of San Antonio, and former Democratic presidential, and did not grew up speaking uh, Spanish. And, and you know, uh, I remember Julian ended up doing a, an interview uh, about it that I heard somewhere. And it was just nice to be able to hear like someone who everyone knows that also had similar experience. Ray and Frank definitely share some lived experiences on this whole speaking Spanish conversation. I loved the part about taco Spanish. I had never even heard it called that. That whole concept of getting pronunciation right when ordering food. That sounds really stressful. So thankful to have heard their perspectives. And an extra thank you goes to Frank for giving us the most perfect segue for our next guest. Joining us now on the Pulsa podcast is none other than Julian Castro's brother, Congressman Joaquin Castro, who has been representing Texas's 20th Congressional District in the United States House of Representatives since 2013. Tell us about the relationship that you had with speaking Spanish or the Spanish language growing up in your house. I'm second generation Mexican-American. My grandmother had come from Coahuila, Mexico, as a young orphan when she was about six or seven years old. And uh, we grew up on the West Side. And like everybody else in the neighborhood, we didn't have much. Uh, We lived by very modest means. But it was an incredible neighborhood with incredible people that always felt like family. Growing up, that was the only world that I knew was uh, this heavily Latino neighborhood on the west side of San Antonio. My grandmother had come from Mexico, so she was fluent in Spanish. She she watched uh, the telenovelas when we were growing up. And, um, Sábado Gigante, I'm sure. Sábado Gigante, <laughs> that's right. It was interesting to see a woman who was firmly rooted in where she came from, but also had adopted this new American culture. And she spoke Spanish. My mom spoke Spanish for the most part, uh, but... My mom and her generation had been punished in school if they were caught speaking Spanish. And for about 50 years in Texas, it was illegal to speak Spanish in school. So it was it was formally illegal in the law to speak Spanish in school. And you would get spanked or punished or somehow derided if the teachers heard you speaking Spanish. Uh, and, you know, because of that, uh, people in my mom's generation in places like Texas often didn't pass along the language to their kids. So show us a bit of what your house was like growing up. Was it that your mom and your grandmother would speak in Spanish or Spanglish and then your mom would speak to you and Julian in English and then there would be this hodgepodge of of language at home even though externally and and in the real world you all would speak English or, or did it look a bit different? 
Yeah, it was my grandmother speaking to us often in Spanish and sometimes in English, and my brother and I usually responding in English. And you know, so it was it was a little bit chaotic of English and Spanish going different ways. And ultimately, as a second generation Latino,、uh, coming away with an appreciation for the language, a pretty decent understanding of the Spanish language, but not the same ability to speak it very well. Uh, obviously, that my grandmother had, or that others who、uh, are direct immigrants, for example, might have. And I've said that before I die, I'd love to learn the language perfectly. You know, on one hand,、um, being Latino is not defined by speaking Spanish, but on the other hand, there is a sense of pride and connection that we we do feel. How do you deal with that tension in your professional life? Have you been criticized for not speaking Spanish? Yeah, sure. I mean, I guess criticized. You know, sometimes online. I guess sometimes people will make comments.、Uh, you know, sometimes people will ask you. Mostly, folks that are Spanish speakers will ask you, "Hey, why don't you speak Spanish?" Right. I think a lot of that also is devoid of knowing the history of. You know where my parents and my grandparents and what their generation went through in a place like Texas,、uh, where again you were they literally beat the language out of people in school.、Mm-hmm. Uh, they attached a negative value, a harmful value, to speaking the Spanish language in public,、uh, but most especially in school. And so for me. It's not a surprise then that there was a generation or a few generations of Latinos who were reluctant to pass on that pain, so to speak, to their kids and wanted them to master English, wanted them to speak English. And I don't even think my parents or my mom did that consciously. I don't think she、mm-hmm. necessarily sat down and said, "Hey, I'm really not going to focus on you learning Spanish because I don't want you to face consequences." I just think that that was it. Was just became so ingrained in a whole generation of people. Over time, you just tend to have a a kind of losing of the language throughout the generations. You know, so for me, it becomes hard to sort out how much of it was just kind of the quote unquote natural、uh, loss of language over the years, and how much of it was that systemic racism that people faced,、uh, the institutionalized racism that they faced as Spanish speakers. It's as if Latinos can't win because if we speak Spanish, we're criticized. If we don't speak Spanish, we're criticized. Where does that leave us now? I think that one of the fundamental problems that the Latino community in the United States faces is that Americans, for the most part, don't know who Latinos are and don't know where the Latino story fits into the American story. And that includes on issues of everything, from our successes, from the discrimination that we faced, from issues around language. All of those things have been left out of the telling of American history and state histories, for the most part. Some states are getting better about it and have gotten better about it than others. But when I was growing up in Texas, there were hardly any Latino figures, men or women, who were included in state history textbooks or American history textbooks. And so, the net effect is that there is this void that can be dangerous when it's mixed with historical stereotypes and dangerous political rhetoric. 
I think that's what happened in El Paso, for example, in mm-hmm. in 2019, in the summer of 2019, uh, where you had somebody who had bought into the heated political rhetoric of the time and the historical stereotypes and really probably had not learned very much at all about who Latinos are. You're talking about a group that is almost 20% of the country. And for our story, our successes and our struggles uh, not to be known, I think, is is a failure in the American narrative. I couldn't agree more with with your analysis of where we are. At Pulso, we try to do the second half of that, which you're talking about, which is educating our own and sharing our own history and our own struggles to our own community, which we sometimes don't know about. But the fight on the other side that you're working uh, hard to change to make sure we have more representation is a long one. How do you keep your Latino identity and traditions alive at home with your kids? Uh, well, you know, my wife is from the Rio Grande Valley, and uh, she spent a lot of time because a lot of her family is in Reynosa, Mexico. And I feel like it's just so ingrained in in what we do every day that I don't I don't feel like I have to make a special effort, um, mm-hmm. you know, to pass along the culture of being Mexican American. It's just, you know, even recently when we celebrated Easter, for example, and the cascarones and all the traditions that you see for Easter, uh, those are just uh, just ingrained in, in who I am and who my wife is. Are you teaching them Spanish? Yeah, <laughs> that's a great question. <laughs> yes, my wife, actually, who is fluent in Spanish, uh, insists that they learn Spanish and that they become bilingual, which I wholeheartedly support. And so they're at a at a bilingual school now. But I see even with my kids, um, in the this pull towards speaking English when they can and not speaking Spanish. Like even when we want them to practice, for example, uh, this reluctance sometimes to practice and instead to speak in English. Um, you know, and so I wonder as I look kind of 10 years into the future for them or 15 years in the future, whether they'll in fact end up Uh, being fluent in Spanish, uh, even though we're kind of making this effort to help them learn it. I will say, as someone who is bilingual myself, it took a lot of gray hairs from my parents, Reb Castro, for me to speak Spanish fluently now. It was one of those home situations where if I responded in English, my parents wouldn't answer me. Uh, I would throw a fit uh, and they still would not answer me no matter what I needed. So I, I know the sacrifice that it took and the and the deep commitment that it takes to to pass on the language to that extent um, in a place where you know you are speaking English in school and, and growing up in Miami definitely helps as well, but yeah. um, just good luck with that journey. What do you say to other Latinos who are struggling with their identity because they can't speak Spanish? Some, some words of wisdom and encouragement to end. Well, first I think, you know, be proud of who you are and the community that you come from. And there are many things that Uh, make up being Latino or Latina, and and language is a great part of it, but it's not the only part of it. And, you know, I hope that everybody feels like they're part of this community and has a stake in our community. And also hope that people take some time to understand the histories of, of the Latino community, whether it's what folks experienced in New York or Florida or in the Southwestern United States or in the Midwest. Uh, and I think with that historical understanding, uh, we can appreciate why people are the way they are now and appreciate 
I think, each other better in the coming years. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for this conversation. That is a wrap. I know that at the beginning of the episode, I, I started saying how I felt that it was still improper to speak Spanish, quote unquote, incorrectly, and that I have this struggle with Spanglish sometimes. But I've been thinking a little bit after listening, and I think that I think that Spanish is more about a feeling sometimes. You don't have to be fluent and you don't have to speak it correctly all the way. But I think what really connects us as Latinos is actually the understanding of some of the language meanings. What I'm trying to say is when you say something like, I, just saying that I <laughs> is an understanding among Latinos. Or when you say something like, mi corazón, my love, that's an understanding, that's a passion, that's an emotion that we all have together. So it's not so much a full language ability, it's more so the understanding of the core words that you can translate that I think make you Latino. Absolutely, Maribel. And, and I think that what all of us share, you, me, Frank, Ray, and Rep Castro, is that sense of pride, right? And we know that even if we can't fully speak Spanish, we want to pass it down to our kids any way we can. The feeling, the language, the words. And I think we can all agree on that. And if I tell my son, ven acá, he knows exactly what that means. And it's not the literal translation that we're worried about. It's the feeling <laughs> that I'm conveying. And if he can get that, I'm happy, even if he's not completely fluent at the end of the day. And you know what? While we figure out the best way to do it for our own families, the one thing that we can know for sure is that our Latinidad should not be questioned while we figure all of it out. You can subscribe to the Pulso Pod wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what you heard, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and tell a friend to give us a listen. Have questions or story ideas to send our way? Send us an email to info at projectpulso.org. This episode was produced by me, Liz Anarcon, and Rey Aguilera, with editorial oversight by Charlie Garcia. Audio engineering and music by Julian Blackmore. Hey, Pulso fam. I want to tell you all about Atlas Lingue, a Studio Ochenta podcast about language, culture, and communication. Have you ever wondered what your cat is trying to tell you? Or how Disney Pixar writers craft stories that resonate across numerous languages? Atlas Lingue host Luis Lopez explores these topics and so much more. It's a show about the confusing, wonderful, and weird world of language, and this season, they're diving deep into the language of culture online. They're interviewing content creators from different countries who document their daily lives and cultural backgrounds on YouTube, TikTok, and Instagram. New episodes air every other Monday wherever you get your podcasts. And you can also watch all the interviews on their YouTube channel at 80 Podcasts.